Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. In fact, whenever and wherever you're listening to this, the NI Golf Channel podcast, we're back. Me and Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi. And this week we're going to be talking about, well, I can't really talk about anything else. We're going to be talking about Rory McIlroy and his big win at the CJ Cup. And we'll also hear from Paralympic legend Michael McKillop, who is something of a golf fanatic. But first, Emma. Yes, of course. But first, as is the way of things with this here podcast, we have a quick roundup of some of the news from around the golfing world for you. Starting with Germany's Charlotte Bach, who won the Irish Women's and Girls Amateur Open Championship at County Louth Golf Club. She fired a final round 72 to finish 10 under for the event, three shots ahead of her nearest competitors, Beth Coulter from Kirkstone Castle and Swede Moas. Dayton Skilled. Now, apologies if I am not saying her name correctly. If you have a better offering, PK, please do advise me. Um, and also, Rebecca Gardner of Clandy Boy finished in fifth. I'm just going to give her a wee shout out as well. Yes, the the, uh, the Clandy Boy team. God, they're putting Rebecca's had some season. And Molly as mm. well. Unbelievable. Yep. Anyway, Peter O'Keefe continued his dominance of the Irish amateur scene by winning the 2020 Flogas Irish Men's Amateur Open Championship. And the Douglas golfer defeated Sweden's Nicola Gerdharsen. We're doing well tonight, aren't we? We are. Oh, goodness. And Apologies, a, everybody. And a three-hole playoff at the European Club after the duo finished uh, three shots clear on plus four. Plus four, ladies and gentlemen, at the European Club. Anyway, that follows Peter's wins at the AIG Irish Men's Amateur Close Championship and the Monster Stroke Play, and that earned him the 2020 Bridgestone Men's Order of Merit crown by some way the best. And for those people who don't know Peter, Peter was top amateur, turned pro, and then returned to amateur golf and uh, has really sort of come come through and, and showed the youngsters where they have to go. So there's a few boys need to get the finger out. Nice. And you always need a bit of inspiration, don't you? That's you right. You say, pull your finger out, like it. Um, Ulster under-18 girls and Connacht under-18 boys were the main winners on the final day of the underage interprovincial championships at Mount Wolseley. Would neither of us can speak this evening? Mount Wolseley Golf Club in Carlow, good grief. <laughs> it's the Rory excitement to tell you. We do care about this stuff deeply, but I'm still I'm still riled after Rory. In the <laughs> under-16 boys interpros, Ulster Edge Munster to claim the title and Leinster won the under-14 boys final, beating Ulster 3-2. So that's about it in the news. As we know, things are getting pretty quiet again in terms of amateur golf, but we will stick with the amateur theme now because Michael McKillop, now, who is better known for those people who don't know, mm-hmm. like Michael is a world class runner. He's a multiple Paralympic gold medal winner. But it turns out he's also a bit of a golf nut. And when I mean a golf nut, he's a proper <laughs> golf nut. And if you follow him on social media, you'll see he's been enjoying something of an extended autumn tour since he came back from Tokyo, where the Paralympics were being held this year. And I caught up with him to have a bit of a chat about golf. Obviously, after Tokyo, I, I've had a break and I've got to enjoy, as I would say, my first love. Um, my first love sport really is golf. And if there was Paralympic golf 10 years ago, I'd probably be playing Paralympic golf. But sadly, there, there's it's not there yet. It's just in the Olympics. So maybe future down the line that there's the possibility of uh, of paragolf, but mm-hmm. we'll just have to wait and see. So f- for you, although running was 
your business and your job and how you made your name and and uh, golf has has always been your break from running. Is that even from when, when you were younger? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, basically, during the summer time, um, like even from like twelve, thirteen, whenever I was. Um, starting out kind of like school running and mm-hmm. um, my dad would always given us the summer holidays off so um my uncle who unfortunately has passed away now but he uh has a house still down in Cushendall um so when I was like 10 11 12 I got left to Balamina um on a Friday evening by my dad and I went and stayed with my uncle um for weekends on end um just to basically go and play as a as a, as a, a juvenile member of Cushendall and um yeah so many fun times playing down there and kind of not really knowing kind of what golf really was until you actually get to kind of probably a teenage years mm-hmm. um and realize actually how competitive you can become mm-hmm. um how amazing it is when you ever really kind of engage with it on watching tv and you learn the fundamentals um obviously you learn how to hit a ball when you're a kid but there's so much more to golf um and that can relate that to my athletics as well, because when you run, when you're a kid, you're just told, just go and enjoy yourself, run a race and see how you, whereas it becomes so tactical, it becomes so strategic, it comes so, uh, a lot of planning, and that kind of is relevant in, in most sports at the elite level. But um, I think that's why um, I like going to play golf, is because I still can get that sense of... Um, kind of wanting to be the best and wanting to be perfect and in elite sport all athletes want to be perfect in every single thing that they do because they have to plan and 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 base it so yeah growing up it gave me a great discipline and understanding of what I had to do um and crossover um both my hobby but also my my job in in future life and and that's what I really enjoyed about playing golf whenever I get the chance Mm. And uh, as I said, you've come back from from Tokyo now. Has it helped you decompress from all, that whole, you know, the build up the Olympics, the you know the the biosecurity, the all the pressure, all the hassle, all the getting there, being by yourself, all that sort of stuff? Has golf been your 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 relax area for you? Yeah, very much so. And it's funny because. It's it's more kind of down to, to my wife why I'm playing actually so much golf at the minute is because she's in work and she works in the house and she's like if you're sitting in the house you're going to annoy me out. so out you get and <laughs> um, so whenever I was on when I was on my holidays I was kind of like well I'm going to go and play golf as much as I can yeah um for the sake of me wanting to enjoy something um yeah. obviously coming back from Tokyo where it didn't go to plan it didn't go to the way I wanted. Um, there was a lot of stress and strain after that, emotions. Um, mm. And like I said, my love for golf is, is, is what I go to. It's my happy place. Um, even though whenever you're on the golf course, it's not your happy place, but it's a, it's that sensation. Because even whenever I was only playing once a month uh, mm. during the season, this, the buzz I got the n- night before I lay all my clothes out the night before because I was getting up early to go, it, it was kind of like a kid at Christmas. Yeah. Um, so now, like even when obviously I was on the holidays and get, play so much golf, and there was still a fascination um, with that. So, uh, that's my that's my dog barking. Is <laughs> uh, annoying, but uh, no, like I really enjoyed that sensation of getting away from my athletics and just focusing on me 
and yeah. when they join join me um because yeah. there's a lot of pressure on me to excel um, yeah yeah and so yeah and in 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 golfalo you put pressure on yourself um are you able to sort of not put the same level of pressure that you would be obviously when you're running so what is is it fun have you managed to make it fun uh i think it's genuine i think whenever you're like a teenager into probably like your early 20s i think regardless of what you do in life you want everything to be done and it's so intense because you think everyone's looking at you and you think of this and you think of that and oh i have to be the best at everything but actually you realize the older you get you kind of realize actually no i'm in here to enjoy myself yeah i want to play well yeah i want to do hit the ball strike the ball every single time um but it's not always like that and it's a way of life um and whenever I kind of get the experience, uh, I think coming from a Paralympic side as well, I get the experience how amazing um, some people are and what they have to go through to do just general general things. Yeah. Um, and being in and around a Paralympic village is just, it, it's mind-blowing for many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever I see the crossover in so many different sports, but whenever you replicate that into golf, um, and obviously, I've, I keep an eye on the, the disability golf scene yeah. um, as a as a, a close uh, fan, um, and it's a bridge that, to be honest, I'll probably never be allowed to cross uh, <laughs> by my wife. But um, it's one that I really find fascinating because there's so many amazing players, not only in Ireland in disability golf, but also across Europe. And, and at the minute there are European match play, I think is going on right. at, at the minute. And um, it's incredible to see some of the scores that they're hitting and That's right. um, guys playing with one arm guys in wheelchairs, right. using that bionic standing up uh, seats. Just it's mind blowing, and for any of the general public that are able bodied listening to this, I would advise you just to go and check it out because I didn't have any notion about para golf until really kind of you had mentioned it actually. Um, and and then I really did get in into it, and it, it would have been a dream of mine when I was growing up as a boy. Um, but obviously, now, yeah. um, my running is, is my life and is my job, and um. God knows, you never know. In the future, I might be able to convince Nicole to allow me to play on one or two, but uh, I have to improve well, to be able to get on that stage. That's what I'm going to ask you. What's your current handicap, Michael? What are you playing off? As I'm not a GUI member. Okay, so you're not a such, member of a, you're not a member of a club, and so sadly not because it, it, it's um, the unfortunate thing is because um, when I'm in season, I, mm-hmm. I get to play like I said once a month, maybe twice a month. So it doesn't make economical value. sense. That's the right phrase, value for money. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just go and pay and play. Okay. Um, and But for, for me, I have been, because I'm part of the, the, the society, mm. I'm a handicap of 18 or 19. Um, okay. just really depends. So like I can, I can play golf. Um, I could be sometimes like, for, for instance, I, I, three weeks ago, like I shot, I think it was eight over. Oh. Um, around Gal Gorm. Oh, and I was I was one I was one over on the back nine. So like for instance, so you can play all right when I it can clicks. play. It's yeah. just, and I think for a lot of the general public that play golf at a, a middle to high handicap, mm-hmm. it's the ability to consistently recover from a bad shot. 
-hmm. It's the consistency and the ability to mentally block out the bad shot you just hit and mm -hmm. focus on the next shot rather than... Because we... I, th I think the general public or the ordinary man in the game, we give away holes rather than shots. And that's what the pros do better, way better than, yeah. than us. And I think it's also whenever you look at the, the running scene, yeah. one race doesn't define a season. One bad round doesn't define a, a, a golf competition. So right. whenever we think of the bigger picture, because I think a lot of, because members are paying or not paying, they're paying for 18 holes of golf. Mm -hmm. So every hole has to be perfect or it's a waste of money. Yeah, because yeah. if you lose a ball, there's added money. If you break a tee, you break a club, there's more money. So it, it adds up. And it's actually, it's, it's strange when you think of it that way, because yeah. everything is wanting to be perfect, but life is not perfect. And no. uh, definitely my golf is not perfect. Golf, golf is, I would love it to be. Golf is the game that is definitely not perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect round of golf, Michael. Is that right? Not at all. Exactly. So listen, you've played a cushion doll and you've been playing around a few places. Um, in terms of the golf courses that you've played, is there any sort of particular style of golf course? Are you a Lynx man? Do you like out when it's on the on the seaside and it's windy? Um, the, kinda, the one thing I'm kind of, I'm not kind of good at, I'm, I'm half decent at, and Neil O'Brien uh, said the other day yeah. when I was playing with him down in Dundalk that, like, off the tee, I'm quite decent. Okay. I, can hit a, I can hit a good ball. Like, uh, I'm allowed to say it because he, he laughed and made a joke about it, but I was at times out driving him. So um, th that was a good thing. But then as soon as you, you put me in the middle of a fairway and there's bunkers around the green and, right, okay, you need to put it past them bunkers. <laughs> I would either top the ball, stick it left or right, or stick it over the back. Uh, whereas he's putting it to two or three foot and then That's making it. a birdie putt. And, yeah. and again, that's the difference. But for me, I like kind of slightly more open because obviously okay. you can spray your ball a little bit more and, and kind of be able to recover. Um, but I'm playing um, the European club um, mm -hmm. on Thursday, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, I got invited down to the, the Irish Amateur Open, the yeah. Day, So that should be fun. Um, <laughs> and it'll be very interesting. But you know what? Any golf course is a challenge, and yeah. I think the way I always look out in life is everything in life is a challenge. So why not give it one go? Because you yeah. never know if you're good at it or not. So well, well, that's it. Now you'll find the European club, although it's slightly wintry, is it's a it's a proper pot ruddy links course. There's plenty of bunkers, plenty of fur, big big mounds, but it's brilliant. I love it down there now. But it's I so, hear I all, no, all the bunkers of, all the bunkers of have, have have sleepers in it. Sleepers, yeah. Yeah. Bring your, also, bring your hard hat. I think that there's 20 holes on it, and also there's a green that's 123 yards yeah, long. It is. If I'm yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's gonna. I, I hope I don't make the front of that green because God knows where my ball will go. Because <laughs> I can't do. I can't do a Phil Mickelson and chip because I'm not that good at chipping. <laughs> Now you talk, Michael, about about when you were growing up. Your dad used to just leave you down with your uncle and let you play. I presume sports a big thing in your family and always has been. Was it your dad who put the club in your hand first? Was he does he still play or you play? Yeah, no, he he uh, he was a player. He played, I think, ten when he was okay. a kid, like kid growing up. Yeah, he could um, again, it. like 
because it's a family house in Cushendall, like he, his parents had it as, as a family house. So he would, like, before, I, some stories he had said is absolutely nuts. Um, before, like, on a Saturday, before after two o'clock, it was only male, men allowed on the golf course um, in Cushendall. So I think he had 72 holes in before two o'clock. And literally, that's what he did on his summers. Um, his parents lived on the Serpentine Road uh-huh. and their house backed onto the seventh green of Fort William. So kind of like he had that to kind of jump on the golf course, do a bit of chipping and potting at night time, then come off. So he, he that was his love and still is yeah. his love. And that's outside of athletics. That's my, my me and my dad's yeah. love connection. Yeah. Um, and that's why we, we love to do it because we get away yeah. from from the stresses and strains of our job as a yeah. coach and an athlete. Um, so, and do the two of you get to play a lot? Not, not, not a lot. Like he, he joined the, the bandits as well. Um, so that, cause again, like he, he, he's coaching me. So every single time that I'm training or racing, he's there. So yeah. he, there's no point in him getting a membership. So I think whenever I retire, whenever that may be, um, me and my dad will 100% get a membership and huh. any golf clubs out there that want to give me and my dad a membership, I'm happy to do so. And I'll promote it. <laughs> I don't think you have to worry. That's a good, that's a nice, not the nice one. Um, you're talking about the disability golf scene, so you've been keeping an eye on it and, and having a look at what's going on. Obviously, Brandon Lawler from down round Louth Directions Award number one. And um, Do you, as somebody who has been involved in Paralympic sport at the highest level, probably knows a wee bit about the politics of what's going on in there. Do you see it ever happening? No. Okay. And right, that's and the reason why the reason why I say that is because they're struggling in a way to get the grips with categorizations and with male to female ratios with um, the sports that they're trying to incorporate, mm-hmm. I think, to bring in a, a real new sport, which is so wide open, um, will be kind of hard to differentiate. But at the same time, if you go off based on handicaps, mm-hmm. well, in terms of not handicaps in terms of disabilities, mm-hmm. but in terms of the other handicap and mm-hmm. um, scoring system, that it could make it a little bit more viable. But I, I don't believe that you'll see Paragolf maybe in LA. But they, they um, put in their sports so early nowadays that, like, the events for uh, Paris are already planned and they were before Tokyo. So okay. um, you really have to put it in perspective. And I, I, I can't see it in the next two cycles. Okay. I, would, I, would love, I would love for it to be in, um, in, in some way, shape or form. Um, but I guess whenever they're taking out events of athletes like myself, they took away my category completely in my event. So to be able to get a whole new sport into the system um, mm. will be difficult, but you just never know. And, and, and I hold my hands up and fingers crossed and you just never know. Maybe at the age of 40, I'll come out and play in para golf or something. Well, that, that's what I'm thinking. You see these people on the, in the Paralympics who, who do one sport or swimming or something for two cycles and then next thing you know, you see them, they're in, they're in the velodrome cycling. 
And yeah. you think to yourself, how do they do that? How do they switch? But okay, I know it's an endurance sport and you, you build up endurance, but there's still technique and technical sides of things that you have to pick up. So it is doable, Michael. I'm not ruling you out. I'm not ruling you out. <laughs> I'll not ruin myself out either. <laughs> I'll close the I'll close my door. I'll close my door. And you are you the type of guy goes out and um you know I've got to have the, the, the nearest the best gear or you do you change your driver every six months? Are you do, do, do you say nothing to the wife and just rock up? Oh look, I've got a new a new club I wanted at the at the, the outing last week. Not quite, but I like if when I invest in something, I, I invest in it because I'm going to longevity and I'm going to use it for a long time. And yeah. I think golf clubs are one of them ones where I think if you have your standard irons, yeah. I think you can play around the rest of the bag. Um, I, ha- I had a driver um, and I bought a new one when I really didn't need one, but that sat in the shed for probably a year and a half. I'd taken it, I'd bought it. Taking it to the driving range and realized I couldn't hit it. And because I had hit like hit it a few times, I couldn't bring it back to the shop. So it kind of sat in the shed. Um, and then I switched, I changed the grip and then I started playing with it. Um, but apart from that, I've bought an electric trolley. Um, and I think for someone with a disability like myself that has an uh, issue with fatigue. Mm. Um, the electric trolley just takes allows me to to play around the golf without having to worry about carrying a bag or pushing, um, and that's that's generally what happens with my condition. I fatigue a lot quicker. I tighten up a lot quicker. So mm-hmm. um, if I can take that stress and strain away, I can enjoy my golf. Because even even whenever you watch me play golf now, um, I probably get there about the thirteenth and fourteenth hole, and then you'll start to see my leg drag. You'll start mm-hmm. to see kind of my swing not being as uh, like flowing um it just tightens up just because i I fatigue um and i'm sure a lot of people fatigue um but just unfortunately with my muscle issues um that's what comes with it but yeah uh, i guess that's part and parcel you were saying you were down playing with uh in one of the pga events there down at uh, dundalk golf club with with neil o'brien who's a great fella um do you take have you had a lot of lessons do you go like you're talking about taking it seriously and obviously training and, and and getting yourself right now. I would I I would guess listening to you that you are a guy that goes for lessons, but maybe this is where the whole thing goes out the water. I have honestly, and this is genuine truth. I've had one golf lesson <laughs> in my life. <laughs> that goes one against golf. everything you just talked about there about preparing and getting and what to do it right. One lesson, Michael. I've what one le- one lesson, but I I, I kind of have that sense sense of I kind of understand and know by watching golfers and watching pros and what they're trying to do and yeah yeah I kind of because it's not my profession uh-huh. like going and asking for help yeah. for me is kind of like cheating in okay. a way yeah I want the way I look at it is if I can see it on TV, if I can watch it and kind of have an understanding of what they're trying to do, watch YouTube videos, then mm-hmm. I want to be able to go and perfect it myself mm-hmm. and try and put it in the place. It doesn't always work, which most people <laughs> will say the same, but, uh, but no, like I, I think I have that. It's more of a challenge that way. I know it yeah. sounds ridiculous, but um, like I do, like my, my sister bought me uh, two lessons with Ross mm-hmm. um, at Galgorm. Yeah. So, 
um, I've got them to, to book in, yeah. so I'll yeah. hopefully book in soon with, with him to, to work on a few things. But yeah. like, I think if I was to take more seriously as well, if I was to become a member of a golf club, maybe I would want to, to yeah. get more lessons because I'm playing it more consistently and there's more yeah. of a chance of inc- getting my handicap down or anything. Like, whereas now I'm just, I want to go out and play yeah. and enjoy myself. But definitely like, I've had so many people say over the years, um, like you do play really good golf, um, and, and that's not me blowing my own trumpet. Like I've, oh, I've, I've heard from a good few athlete. people, um, and yeah, I think a lot of athletes that have an interest in sport can always pick up another sport a lot quicker than a lot of other people. Yeah, because um, they have a better understanding and kind of going up as a young boy. Like my dad was a hurling coach, um, so obviously hand-eye coordination. Was it was was nice as well, um, and and golf was a good one for that. So, uh, like again, I just didn't I enjoy this the game of golf, and it, it's an amazing um, yeah. chance probably to come together. Where uh, you can eat a bar of chocolate on the golf course, you can have a can of coke, um, you can play a few holes, you can have a chitter chatter. Whereas in athletics, it's running, water, and boredom. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, that's that's the honest truth and um yeah. and that's why i love golf so much brilliant stuff there pk so it's time rory is he back or is he not back the floor the stage is yours pk start us R- off rory's back you know the thing is probably some people say rory never really went away but right. to, to, it, there's a couple of things about the whole Rory thing. It, like, it was a very dominant performance at the weekend. You know, yeah. went really low on the Saturday, did all he had to do on, on the Sunday, closed out the event. Like, he played the last hole, what was a driver, and a couple of irons on the middle straight, of the green and two put it Straight to that back pin, wasn't it? No mucking about, did the whole mm-hmm. thing right. And it was almost as if he had reset the head. Um. Two wins in the calendar year is nothing to sniff at for any no. golfer. No. Uh, but I suppose for Rory, because his standards are so high, you think, oh, he's only it's only been a good year if he does well in the major. So is he back? You know what? I would say no. Ooh. I'm not going to say yes just yet. I'll explain why. He's still going to take a big break now. He's going to take some time off. Mm-hmm. He will play a few more events for the end of the year, but he is going to take some time off. And had he hit form, shall we say, um, like this in May, had I said he's back. My problem is now that he's in, he's obviously possibly on the right track, but it, this is a funny season. You know, he play a bit more, he play a couple of events, and then he take an extended break, Christmas, New Year. He'll come back, he might play a few early season events because they try and build up to the, the main part of the season. So we'll see how he is, shall I say, in February or March. February, March. Fair enough. That I mean, that is fair enough, isn't it? And you're being, you've got your level head on there, and you're giving a proper analysis. But you're going to say was, yes, he is back in class. Yeah, no, it is. Well, it is, and um, and it is, and I'm delighted. Not that you're not delighted, but you know, it was, it was there. There was none of the um, you know, or even early on in the Ryder Cup, the shoulders were down, the head was down. You know that the way he gets like we all do but you know we, we've watched this guy so much you know when the head goes down after 
a mistake or whatever and he he's not been so quick at, at pulling himself back out when there has been an error it's been compounded with another error and the head has gone and it's been what we would call unruly like I guess um and there there wasn't any of that there was the there wasn't the the full I'm about to win a major and I'm strutting up the 18th chest but it was composure it was confidence that the confidence was oozing out of him it was it was almost as he was playing with like freedom again like do you, do you remember when I mean the the joy of youth particularly if you're an excellent golfer but but they you know just the the US Open that he won in, in 2011 when he was just all guns blazing and he, he won that by what, eight strokes. He didn't need to be firing at those pins or or taking on those iron shots the way he was, but he was just feeling it. He was confident and it's, it was almost a feel life, I thought, of the of the Rory where he's so happy with his distance control and that everything is in line and he's just relaxed and so he can't help but go for it almost no it was a bit more of a mature version I'm not saying it's identical you know but I, I so I I do feel but like you say I, it's not like he did a space and he's been a wall for like years and we're going oh look it was like 600 and something days since he left you know there's none of that guff so he's not really been away he's he's like you say he's got high standards for himself and we all have very high standards and and hopes for him as well. I think that's the thing, isn't it? We're all emotionally involved in it. And, and just hearing the Americans going, go on, Rory, like, come on, Rory. You know, you're like, yeah, they really want him to. And even seeing, you know, it was great also, I have to say, seeing Vicky Fowler having a bit of a resurgence as well that's been building. And and you can see he was dead chuffed for him as well. Obviously, he would have liked to not shoot a 71 or whatever and maybe given him a bit of a better run for his money. But him and answer, you can see everybody there was really made up for him as well. And he just looked comfortable. Like I would argue even Wells Fargo, his previous win, he didn't look that at ease as as, as in comparison to, to last week, I, I would say. So he has, I, he has a track record of playing very badly and then something just clicking mm. literally overnight almost. And yeah. he, he could, inst- you know, go back to 2014 when the, the big split up and he, he won the BMW PGA Championship that time. You know, mm. just all of a sudden, calmness descends on him and away he goes. And if he gets on that sort of a run, you know, he, he's quite capable of world number one, multiple wins, more majors again. And, you know, we may look back on this in six months' time and say, you know what, Emma, you were right, he was back. But he... He, you're, you're right, his demeanour was so different. Mm. So different. He seemed, as you say, so comfortable in himself, so relaxed about his attitude, um, just so so calm, so calm, mm. and so yeah. so composed about what he was doing. And he had a couple of the first two days, he scored okay, but he didn't look like he was going through doing anything spectacular. In fact, no. it looked like he was too far gone. And then it just clicked Saturday, Sunday was a breeze. So, okay, he got a wee bit of luck. He got a wee bit of luck with a chip over the bunker that, yeah. you know, could easily yeah, have yeah. gone anywhere and then he hold a put for eagle. But after that, it was like, what's a what's a panic? What was you all know, the issues about? Yeah, exactly. And it's that thing as well. You know, there was that one bit that maybe you could say he got away with that and he got a f- bit of a friendly, friendly landing and bounce off that, the 10th or whatever it was. But, you know, it's that thing, isn't it? The... 
the better you get, the better you're playing, the luckier you get. And that just, it didn't feel out of place, did it? It would almost everyone have been like, oh, that's so unfair if it had gone against, you know, the the direction of play almost. But he, yeah, it he, he just, I'm, I'm, I totally agree with you that it's, it's almost a shame that there is going to be a break from him now and he's not going to just keep going and, and be able to, to build the momentum. But equally to have things like, you know, what was it he shot in the first round? Like 68, which on paper, great four under. You look at that card, that was semi, semi in the way that we've come to expect. You know, it had everything, didn't it? It was birdies, bogeys, and then a triple, and then a triple. He yeah. ended on a triple. Now, let's think about recent Rory, as we may call him. What would a triple on the 18th at the end of a first round have done for the rest of his week before? We might have then had the round two, because we know that there's been quite often the three decent rounds there's been one little sod in there of a round that's not that's just scuppered the whole thing and it's not meant that even if he has had a brilliant final round which he's put together quite a few times hasn't he and it's it's done him you know no good because he's been too far back but like you said it almost looked like he might have been going that way and there was none of that there was just the composure and the re almost like the reset and the on on we go lads yeah on harry let's just crack on um, he was he was his natural self afterwards. He was very honest about his explanation mm -hmm. about how, you know, he really had to do some hard thinking after after his performances at the Ryder Cup, where he accepted he was crap, and he it, you know accepted and it upset crap, him and it really and it annoyed him. him. It annoyed things. him. He, he let people down obviously, and he sort of looked at himself. Well, I can't keep doing this. What do we do? And as he said, he's more or less gone back to trusting himself now. A couple of things about that. Does that mean he's no longer working with Pete Cowan? That's what everybody was saying next, and there's been nothing formal. I, no. I would suggest that the answer is that he's probably continued to work with them, but maybe not trying to do what Pete was trying to get him to do. Maybe they're, they're going to work more on what Rory's ambitions are. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And certainly it seems to be a feeling that Michael's going to continue to work with him, and that was always going to be the case anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm always surprised with, with you know, Rory McIlroy is arguably Ireland's, currently Ireland's um, finest sporting star. He's a highest profile. He's now got 20 wins on, your, on the PGA Tour. He's yeah. still only 32. He's four majors to his name. He's recognized around the world. The, the fella um, invariably conducts himself pretty well. Okay, he's made the odd mistake, but who doesn't? Um, he speaks well. He talks well. He, he's prepared to lead on things that other people stay away from. Mm -hmm. I think you still get, there's still an awful lot of negativity about him. Yeah. Well, you think to yourself, what does that lad actually have to do? And, it won't, and then you suddenly realise it won't matter. There will always be people who are negative about him regardless of what he does. Yes. But you're you're right. And I think that maybe is part of it as well, that it must be, it must be difficult. Like, I don't obviously know if that's ever anything that he manages to keep completely separate, but it must creep in every now and then. He's not, you know, he's only human, no matter how strong his brain is and everything else that, it, you know, he's obviously got to, got to have a great mental game as well, which is what he's saying, isn't it? That's, that's been, um, been fixed as it were in inverted commas, but you know, that, that's, that's gotta be annoying, hasn't it? When you're a bit like, well, come on, what, what more have I got to do you know, here? There's, there's going to be people that aren't going to be happy until less Rory wins the Masters and wins multiple more majors. They're always going to say, okay, he hasn't fulfilled his promise. You know, like 20 PGA Tour wins. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. From somebody from, is... from Hollywood. Yeah, 
exactly. We we boy from Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood. And he's going Yeah, yeah. He's he's now back in the top ten. He slipped out of the top ten. He's now eight yeah. in the world. Again, he's back inside the world's top ten. People need to get off his back. Really and truly. I think I think really we need to start stop overanalyzing Rory McElroy. He does that enough himself and start enjoying the fact that we have Rory McElroy because he's a generational talent. There will not be as long as you and me are knocking around another <laughs> Rory McElroy. I wish there was. I hope there is, but there's not because with the best will in the world, you're not going to get that. And we should be savoring it instead of finding ways to work out ways not doing this, the ways not doing that. Talking about savoring talent. While, mm. while we're on, do you think Harry Diamond's position as, as Rory's bagman is is uh, is that still up for debate, or is that firmly knocked in the head? Well, I I think we, we've we've touched on this a couple of times before, haven't we ourselves? And as in analysed the critique of him, not in bandwagoning and critiquing him necessarily ourselves. I would like hasten to add. Um, I would say that it's going to be one of those. It's a bit of a cycle, isn't it, with Harry, the same way it is with Rory, that um, now that he's won again, it's going to be that, oh, well, you know, they're good mates and that's really valuable. And he's actually a really good golfer in his own right, for those of you who don't know, and all the rest of the the actual reason why he is on the bag, which Rory and Harry are both aware of the whole year round. Whereas, again, it's just... I think it's just one extra thing. It's just one of those extra parts that people just use to bash him or again, to explain why he's not getting the results and performing the way that they wish he would or want him to. Um, But I I feel like that's been hopefully put to bed before because he's, you know, he's, there's another instance again where, you know, Rory's been a great, guy and and he doesn't have to explain himself to anybody but he's come out and said it like this is my caddy this is why on your jog now when rory's sort of taking a break penton will probably turn a bit more towards shall we say our lesser lights now there's still a lot of golf out there at the minute in the pro ranks with dermy McElroy. he's currently playing the euro pro tour he's trying to get his card there made a bad start tom mckibben connor um uh, tom mckibben's over in in the States and the Corn yep. trying to qualify there as well. Leona McGuire's out in Korea playing on the LPGA. So, and also another one trying to make her way is Olivia Mahaffey on the yeah, Q-School, Q-School, Q-School as well. But it just feels, I, I don't know whether you agree, it's got an end of season feel at the minute. Mm. Yes, I know what you mean. It feels like it is all coming to a bit of a climax. And a, but as you, as you say, be, the season's only starting in America again. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's Rory's season, isn't it? That's this is, you know, he was saying, I think, wasn't he, that well, I've come second and third in my first event of a season like yeah. here before, but I've never, never had a winning start to a season. So, well, that sounded pretty purposeful also. My dad, break or no break coming next. I thought that was, yeah, that's obviously, it meant a lot to him for a lot of reasons. I think that went just getting back to it. But, but yeah, it is bizarre when there's the overlap of the everything's kind of, you know, find everyone's finding out where they're going to sit, what they're, you know, where their career is going from out of all those people you've mentioned over the next season, you know, there's yeah. a lot at stake for a lot of people, but meanwhile, the PGA tour has just started again. It's all a bit of a, yeah. bit of a head scramble. It is. And also, we have, we over here, we've got Cormac Sharvin and Johnny Caldwell and, and Nal Kearney and all these guys are still chasing 
big ranking points to try and sort themselves mm. out for next year. So there's a lot to play for on the European Tour, although it sort of doesn't feel feels quite low key at the minute. But it's not for mm. those players. This is yeah. the next two, two or three events are make or break for them, really and truly big, big, big events. So we'll definitely be picking that up when we come back for the next one of these. Humble brag from me. Um, I was this week, I managed to play Port Marnock Golf Club. Now, Port, friends of Port and know that I've been lucky enough. I played it once before a couple of years ago. So this is the second time I've played Port Marnock. Second it's, coming. <laughs> it's just absolutely what a place. What a golf course. What a vibe when you go into the building. People are great. It's great fun. It just was fantastic. I, I could. I could talk about it wistfully forever and ever, ever. It's just one of those places. Um, Not have to say it was there for thanks to the Port Marnock members and thanks for everybody for their hospitality. We were there with the Irish Gulf Writers. Um, It's a sort of annual event we play for where we try and beat them in match play. We have yet to do it, but they always manage (laughs) to. Like I ended up playing against the pro like and the club captain. So like we didn't stand a chance, but they give it a good (laughs) But give it a good go, like, but within the standard channel. But you know, it's not as if they're there to lose. They put out good teams, and we're we're not having a bunch of hackers. But <laughs> but it it is, it was a real treat. It's one of those things where you think to yourself, you know, just beautiful. What a venue it would make for, and I'm got Irish Open. Uh, you know, we'll have to get an Irish Open back there. It's and they've now, you know, now have allowed women members to join. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, we can talk about that being farcical, and it was. Yes, Barcelona. Far too long, but the place itself is stunning. But just let's get some events there. It's so close to Dublin. The crowds would be fantastic. The scenery mm. stunning. The course itself is first class. You know, let's get let's get it on. Let's get it on, Emma. Let's get, get it, it on. Oh. And talking about uh, amateur golfers and people playing, has mm. Hubby hung the clubs up himself, or is he still out there trying to make his mark and get ready for the? Yep. Nope. he's still out there he's the, well not right now at the dock but um but yeah he's still he's still at it despite the kitchen refurb going on in our world the, the golf yeah. clubs so he's still managing to find time to get time to get out and play golf oh oh just about yeah in fact you, i think what, what happened there's June, a minor not... tournament happening on friday oh so, yes yes so we'll, we'll see how that goes at wickham heights so. wickham heights is that a nice golf course um, it's not a bad wee track, I have to say. It's um, okay. it's hilly, so everywhere we live in Chilterns, it's um, Terrell Hatton territory. All right. so okay, Terrell grew up playing around there. Right. So loads of clubs um, landing trees and up, up, up yeah, there's, clubs there's and you know loads of plaques here. We yeah. had this branch hacked off and <laughs> very angry, and yeah, so it'll be quite an event. Um, you know, it's a great course and it's actually got a really good, that's the range that I go to as well, which they had refurbished over the last couple of years, yeah. and they've got a really nice wee par three course as well 18 hole par three which is right. um, so it's a great way set up so yeah, i wasn't i wasn't being dismissive of your own golfing talents when i asked about, about, you do know yeah. that but i just realized that you haven't been playing much this last week no. so no, I've, you know, I've given up even asking you because you keep no, coming up, well, you keep is, coming up with excuses Yes, I know, but I've got a master well master plan. My my evil plan is that I'm going to I'm going to really go for it over the winter season when there's nobody else around, and then I'm going to be like a little butterfly and come out of winter out of my crap golfer chrysalis and be less crap and and play properly next next spring and summer. So 
we'll see where that goes here but that's the plan <laughs> that sounds like no yeah that sounds like definitely that sounds like something to come back on brilliant that's that's just that's that's a, that's a whole podcast in itself brilliant stuff like listen thanks very much for listening as always on our wittering and our talking and our nonsense emma that's us cheerio now mm-hmm. bye-bye take bye all right don't touch me see woo shaking that ass shaking that ass shaking that ass see woo shaking that ass